All right, how we doing, everybody? I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Austin Bigot is here to discuss the national champion, Baylor Bears, and then Dustin Fowler joins me for our annual Masters preview. We talk all the major favorites, as well as match play picks and our picks to Dawn the Green Jacket. Our show is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Promo code RED for a $20 deposit bonus. Thrive has a few awesome Masters contests rolling this weekend. Go take your chance at winning ten grand. Promo code RED, two Ds. All right, let's get it going. Right, A.B., Austin Bigot, we are back, and the Baylor Bears are the national champions, which felt more and more possible after we watched the final four games together on Saturday night. The Bears blew Houston away, and Gonzaga barely fends off a UCLA team who played as good as anyone has literally ever played in a loss, real stat. But crazy few days, we were very wrong about basically everything that happened outside of Baylor beating Houston, but we have our champion, so that's nice. Yeah, we we were very wrong, and um, like you, you said, that maybe we could have seen that coming after Saturday. But I almost felt more confident for Saturday because UCLA shot like sixty percent. Um, they didn't miss very many free throws. They kind of outplayed Gonzaga if you looked at just the box scores, and they still lost. And that kind of made me feel like okay, a team just played their perfect game, and they still couldn't beat this team. So I kind of felt a little a little more confident to be honest after they got past UCLA. I felt like okay, that was their one major test now they're kind of going to come out and control the game against Baylor but um, it was very apparent very early in the championship game that that was not the case yes it was uh, I was lucky enough to go to the championship game humble brag uh, me and my friend Dylan Bickle were there it was about 80 20 in there in terms of Baylor fans to Gonzaga fans all the Gonzaga fans that we saw were just cool as hell like, let me tell you, like a bunch of dudes looking awesome, all wearing headbands. But the Baylor people, they had a different vibe. They had like a hungry, we're here to kill you type vibe. And uh, they they came out on top. Um, I, I've never really seen a fan base at a game want it more than those Baylor people wanted it. Uh, angry, yelling uh, the whole time. But yeah, it's uh, it was weird being there for a championship with a limited capacity. It just didn't really feel like that. But I thought for sure we were going to the game. I had my three to one Gonzaga ticket. I was wearing my Gonzaga colors. I was ready to go. But I, I thought for sure we're going to see a great game either way, no matter what happens. And it just wasn't that. It was over immediately. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like um, Gonzaga would make their run eventually. I think they got it down to nine. But even even um, with like 15 left when they're down 16, I was like, all right, they have one last run in them. And they just didn't. Um, that's credit to Baylor, I think. I think if these teams played again tonight, it would obviously be much closer. I think Baylor played about as good as they can, but that's not their fault. Like they showed up on the biggest stage, especially um, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, the two best players. They showed out. So, yeah, credit to Baylor. Now, um, I guess they can be talked about as one of the best teams of all time, too, because they were undefeated before all that COVID stuff happened. It was like them and Gonzaga. And then they kind of had a little hiccup. One of their losses was at Kansas on their senior night. So, uh, yeah, this team, I think this team can go down as one of the best teams now that they've cut the nets down. And it felt, it sounds like really dumb because it's a championship game, but it felt like they just wanted it more, especially in the first 
10, 15 minutes of the game. Yeah, and I think it's so much easier to score and make shots when you're so much faster and more athletic than the team that you're playing. It seemed like Baylor was just making NBA-style moves, getting enough room to make a shot, and making a shot. And I didn't feel like anything they did throughout the game was fluky in any sort of way. They played as a team, but they also were extremely successful in terms of playing one-on-one. I, I couldn't believe it, but I will say one thing that made me feel really stupid is the the lack of depth thing, the fact that we didn't analyze that at all because Baylor had guys come in off the bench, that Flagler guy, number 10, a couple big dudes that like really make an impact on the game that can score and get rebounds. And Gonzaga didn't have any of that. A backup guard, Cook, he can't do anything. A 22, big man, oh man, I'd be okay to never watch him play basketball in person again. But Gonzaga had that five that were really good, but they had nothing off the bench. I mean, what they have like four total bench points the entire like final four. Yeah, and we, we talked about Gonzaga's lack of depth, but we never really talked about Baylor, on the other hand, having the depth. And um, Sugg got two fouls like almost instantly when they were already down like nine or 11 to zero. And then um, Kispert had a very bad game, very bad time for him to very bad game. So, yeah, it was when you take out two of those guys in the starter, starting five, they're supposed to be so much better than everybody else. Um, they really never had a chance and as far as that's concerned. Yeah, and Gonzaga switches everything on defense, which I think you can get away with in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, and they, they we, killed Timmy on that. Yeah, and when we look at the teams they played in the regular season that they did beat the good teams, you can see where that would still work when you're looking at Iowa, who's also slow, and you're looking at Kansas, who's not really any good. Virginia, maybe the definition is slow. But Baylor, if they're if they're – one thing there's one thing they're not it's slow and they, they were abusing Timmy on that it, it was weird to see I mean to watch a whole season to see a team never really look vulnerable and in the UCLA game you know we're, we're mad watching the game because we got Gonzaga minus 14 we think it's the easiest bet ever it turned out to be the dumbest thing we've ever done but still debate you're <laughs> no it, it yeah it was the dumbest thing we've ever done but like you're watching a team that like feels like there's no way they can lose no matter what happens after you leave that Saturday night at Scooter Triple B's. And then then you look at Monday and you're like, oh, my God, if these, if these teams played 10 times, I don't know if Gonzaga could win two of them. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that they these teams would probably come close to splitting out of 10. But based on what we saw, um, it, yeah, like it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't think Baylor's going to shoot that well or play that well if they played 10 times. But. I don't know. Like I said, the first like 10 minutes, they just looked overmatched. I mean, every loose ball Baylor was on, every, you know, sh- open shot Baylor was hitting. Gonzaga couldn't hit their open shots. Uh, yeah, it was it, – it's it these games that have all this hype, they rarely live up to it, and this one definitely didn't. No, it, uh, it absolutely did not. It was a bummer. But I'll tell you what, not a bad drive up to Indianapolis. And me and Dylan pulled in my apartment complex parking lot at 1 in the morning. That is not that bad for a 9-20 tip-off. And we left, you know, we, we left with three minutes left in the game. We beat the 20% capacity traffic, props to us. But, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was crazy to see. But Jim Nance said it best after the game. Coach Drew and Baylor complete college basketball's greatest rebound and rebuild with the championship. I mean, we just went through a whole year where we didn't get a Final Four. We didn't get an NCAA tournament. We finally get it. We get a hyped-up championship game. I think we talked about it the week before. Like, yeah, it's going to be hyped up, but I still think Gonzaga's going to win easy. That's what I saw most people in the media saying the day of the game. But Baylor, I've learned a lot about what their program went through over the last few days. And I, I would just encourage everyone to Google Baylor basketball murder 
And they're not going to tell you about what happened on Monday at Lucas Oil about how much better, better Baylor is. They're going to tell you something about from 2003, how a Baylor player was murdered by another Baylor player. And uh, the coach and athletic department tried to blame it on the dead kid. It is an absurd story. I don't want to tell it all to you guys, but if, if you're bored and you want to get the Google machine out, go to Wikipedia and read about that. It is quite the story. Yeah, um, it's not really the um, like Cinderella story of a rebuild, but it is. A, I mean, Coach Drew had nothing to do with that, so props to him. And this specific Baylor team, not a good um, organization. Football team has gone through some uh, pretty bad stuff here recently too, so maybe not a very well-ran school. But uh, the current Baylor team has some likable guys on it. I think some um, good NBA careers coming from Davion Mitchell, who declared today, and Jared Butler too, so. They're not the most hateable team of all time, but definitely some some shady stuff going on at Baylor. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I like Coach Drew a lot. And, uh, I mean, they, they weren't really competitive before all that happened. Like, Coach Drew built this from the ground up. It's arguably the worst situation to inherit in the history of sports. I, I saw that said, and it, it's it's tough to argue that anything else is, is close to it. Maybe there are worse situations out there, but to build it up all the way to winning a championship is, is really something. They all came back. Uh, most of those guys are transfers from smaller schools. Uh, it, it, it's a cool story. Uh, props to them. I think it's very safe to say that they were the best team. I mean, they, their two losses were to Kansas, a three seed, and Oklahoma State, who we could have seen in that game if they didn't get a tough draw like Oregon State in the second round. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's impressive. It's a, it's a great run for Baylor, and uh, they, they absolutely deserve to be the national champions. Uh, yeah, a really good team that um, played in – probably looking back on it now the best conference since the the big 10 ducked out immediately in the tournament so i mean people get on the zags for playing wcc but there's probably some truth behind it they just saw the the higher level of play most of the year um i would love for gonzaga to go to the pac-12 at least i don't i mean i've been saying that for like five years uh it it is very boring watching them just kill everyone in the wcc all year and I, i don't think it's good for them to just kill everyone every game so Hopefully they can move to a power five here soon, but it feels like it probably would have happened by now if it was going to happen. So not really sure what's going on out there, but yeah, props to Baylor. They were the better team and we called them the second best team all year, but it turns out maybe they were the best team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that conference hurts them in so many ways in terms of the pressure that can build up in these games, because you don't get tested. You never lose. You go into it with the stigma of like, wow, we're, what if we lose again? I mean, th- there's a real stat out there that Mark Few, as a coach who we love, he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. He's 0-8 against one seats in his tenure at Gonzaga, only 1-7 against the spread. Most of those games are not even close, as this game wasn't. So I, I, I think that they, I mean, they, they do what they can in terms of non-conference scheduling. You can't deny that they tried. They scheduled Baylor. They were supposed to play in Indianapolis in December. It got canceled because of COVID. They played as tough of a non-conference schedule as anybody in basketball. But they basically get two and a half months where they're playing teams where it would be a miracle if they made it to the NCAA tournament. They're getting one top since either going to be BYU or St. Mary's who under no circumstances can ever get out of the round of 32. So it, it's tough. They, they need to they need to figure that out. I don't know why the Pac-12 wouldn't want to have them just because they don't have a football team. It's not like the Pac-12 ever really does anything in football anyway. So, yeah, Gonzaga needs a change there. I don't know if it'll ever come. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Like I said, they've been kind of pretty dominant for the last 10, 15 years, and there hasn't been any movement. Um even if they went to like the Mountain West, that'd be an upgrade of where they're at now. It's not the the step they need to take, but 
Yeah, um, I do think that hurts them. I know it's kind of a hot take that's been thrown around everywhere on Twitter, but and the, this um, undefeated season starting to feel like it may never happen. We had like 1979 UNLV, the um, Indiana State team with Larry Bird, and then the Cats, obviously, and now Gonzaga. It just feels like it's not meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it happens with a team like Gonzaga and from a conference that doesn't have a very tough schedule and gets to kind of skate by. But you look at the Mountain West. I mean, at least you have San Diego State. They were going to be a one seed last year, probably in the tournament. Utah State's produced some NBA players. Um, Boise State, Colorado State, um, definitely be a step up. It wouldn't be like Pac-12, but it'd definitely be a step up. Isn't there one more Mountain West team that like got an at-large bid? Utah State. San Diego State, Utah State, and Boise was in the NIT. Colorado, Colorado State, State was in the NIT. NIT. I think that was it. This year. Oh, and and we love Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, they fight. They cover. Yeah, on their way back, Steve Alford. But yeah, I, I do think they need a conference change badly. Hopefully, they look into that. You can't fix it with a non-conference schedule. And the last thing for today with you is, I mean, that one shining moment video is just so special. Every time, it's it's such a special moment. Yeah, great. Uh, I didn't know how good it would be this year. We only had we had two buzzer beaters. Obviously, the Suggs went over the Sunday, and then the Alabama one to tie. So thought it might be kind of boring, but it, it always it always hits home. Great moment when they had the um, kid from Grand Canyon that died in it too. Oh yeah, awesome moment. And I was happy that Cam Thomas made an appearance. And I was just watching it like a little kid with a tear streaming down my eye every time that Oregon State made brief appearances in this video. It's a run to be remembered, but. Yeah, always quite a video, great song. I'd be lying if I said I didn't listen to it in the car a few times, even though I went to the game and was was personally defeated by the Baylor Bears. It was uh it was it was pretty special. I liked it. It wasn't pretty damn special, but it was yeah, pretty just pretty special. Yeah, time to um time to move on from this college basketball season. Hopefully next season treats both of our teams a little better. I can't imagine it going much worse for myself. So um season to be forgotten for us as fans, but overall they got through it with COVID in a, in a time that we needed it. So, yeah, Congrats. we got through it. And Louisville and Kentucky are both 20 to 1 to 40 to 1, anywhere in between there to win the title. I think those odds are not totally correct, in my opinion. I feel like UKs should probably be a little lower. Who knows what they end up cranking out this year? You have to feel like their sense of urgency is at all time high. And I don't know why Louisville would be that high on the board. I did see UCLA getting major love, uh, like second or third best odds to win it all. They're going to be ranked like fourth. Juzang's got to leave, right? His stock will never be higher than it is right now. Never be higher. I would totally leave. The dude's a bona fide shot maker. He hates us. Yeah, he does. Um, but I think he should leave. Um, I don't think the NCAA tournament does a lot for people's draft stock, and uh, you can't perform any better than he did when a team that wasn't even almost didn't even make the tournament. So, if I was him, I would definitely go to the NBA. I'd say he'd probably be like a late first round ish pick. I mean. He's a shot scorer. That's all the NBA is, basically. So, Yeah, if uh, B.J. Boston gets drafted ahead of him, that person will. should be fired. Yeah, he it, probably will. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a crazy I world. I with it, but he probably will. But there's still a lot to look forward to. This NBA playoff, um, the NBA playoffs that are coming up are going to be great with the 7 through 10 seeds playing play-in scenarios. It should be a little more exciting. And with all that the Nets and the Clippers and the Lakers, the Suns, the Sixers all have going on. It should be fun. There, There is more fun approaching. Uh, MLB rolling right along. The Cubs are um, the worst hitting team in the MLB. They have uh, their second, their third to last in hits, and the only two teams that are worse than them have only played two games. So, nice. you know, not great. Yeah, uh, not a great stat. But this weekend, 
we got some fun coming up and that is the masters i'm really excited dustin fowler is here to talk about it so let's get to the, you got you got a pick to win the masters you want to get us started um more what's his name Morikawa. that's what Martin. i gave out it's like you already yeah. listened to it i got a future on him and um got with your boy sergio Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Every time. Always a good pick. But uh, yeah, if you want to hear the rest of it from uh, my man, Dustin Fowler, who watches golf religiously every weekend, he usually gives out some winners here. Here he is, Dustin Fowler on the Masters. All right, our Red Talk Eagle enthusiast Dustin Fowler is here. The NCAA tournament just ended, and that means the Masters. It comes at a perfect time. Doesn't get much better when it comes to watching golf than this tournament. Shortest time span between Masters events ever. It's been a crazy year, but it feels a little closer to being back to normal every single day. Dustin, it's great to have you back here. How are you feeling going into another weekend at Augusta? I'm ready. I'm ready. It's finally, uh, you know, spring's here when the Masters is here, and I'm excited. Can't wait. Yeah, ready to hear those little birds in the broadcast, ready to take a little midday nap. It all just goes hand in hand with the Masters. So before we get into our picks, I want to touch on a few of the favorites. Uh, the odds on the reigning champion, Dustin, he's the favorite, looking at 8-1, to one, dominated this event a few months ago. He's the number one player in the world. Hasn't been in great form over the last few outings, though. I think he won that money grab tournament in Dubai a couple months ago. But other than that, he hasn't looked like his usual Dustin Johnson self. What are you expecting from him? The way he dominated the field last year was pretty incredible. Um, I mean, he's just been solid ever since as well. It's hard not to like his spot. I mean, he's the favorite for a reason. He's hitting it well. He feels well. I don't know. It, tough to fade him this week. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that he, you know, he, he didn't look good in the match play. He didn't come out of his little uh, quadrant there. And the week before that, he played in like the Seminole member guest, which apparently is like the best member guest tournament there is. And he came in second out there. So it's not like he hasn't been playing good golf. I saw that and thought for sure that he was like a lock to do some damage in match play. He didn't. Him and Kevin Na got into a little bit with the classic, I'm going to grab my ball out of the hole and everything. So and uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't concede a shot or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. His uh, his line, like last year, I took him at 7-1, to one, and I thought it was outrageous. It's always outrageous to take a full golf field, take somebody at that low of odds. But it, it felt smart. I think the only guy that, was really hanging in there with him was was Cameron Smith. Was that correct? That is correct. I think I had him top 10 on this podcast last last uh, Masters, too. I think Just that's where that. I learned of his existence was <laughs> from you. And I, I do kind of I, – I would throw a dart at Cameron Smith 45-1 to 1 because he clearly likes this venue and everything. But the second best odds to don the green jacket, Jordan Spieth. Now that is getting back to normal. I had him at 14-1 to 1 this past weekend. The only reason I took him is because Dustin Johnson withdrew and I knew his lines would drop and I jumped on it before the line shifted but he won he won his first tour event since 2017 at the Valero Texas Open seven birdies on Sunday to hold on do you think Jordan's going to be in the mix this weekend definitely do I mean he uh he holds this scoring record for for a reason I mean his uh his numbers at the Masters are incredible he's played as good as better than anyone in the last three months um it's hard to see him not in contention my only if I was going to play devil's advocate at that tournament last week that Saturday, early Saturday round, whenever he was missing it everywhere, it looked like he was trying to draw the ball. 
Um, and then all of a sudden he said, screw it. I'm just going to hit my fade and hit these fairways. And he dominated the field, which is great at TPC San Antonio. But whenever you get to Augusta, that right to left shot is very important. So uh, interested to see if he's going to try to play that or if he attempts to play that fade across the whole course. It's just it's going to be interesting. But I still it's hard the way he's putting it, the way he's hitting it. If he can just keep the driver in play hard not to like him this week. Yeah, I saw a lot of the stats backing that up, that he was actually missing more fairways than he had in the last few events last weekend. But I don't know if that makes it even more impressive, the fact that he was still able to hang on and win that tournament by two strokes. But the field is a lot different at the Masters than it was at the Valero Texas Open. But he is paired up matchup-wise with a lot of the guys at the top of the board. And as we'll get into here in a little bit, a lot of those guys aren't playing very well right now. And Jordan Spieth is on absolute fire. There's no denying that. So I'm, I'm looking for Jordan to have a good weekend. Our hometown guy, Justin Thomas, has had a crazy, crazy year. No more Ralph Lauren for JT. He did win the players a month ago, letting us know he's still capable of getting back on the horse. What kind of chances do you give the St. X grad this weekend? I love JT this tournament. Absolutely love him. Uh, he he was struggling there for a while, especially with the putter, and then he had all that stuff, the tiger crash, obviously, and then you had his grandfather dying, and he was struggling. And then at the at the players, you saw him just bring it all together. And when he's firing, and he's as good as anybody uh, in this field, that's for sure. So I, I think he's got to be feeling pretty good going into this tournament. Yeah, he flies up the leaderboard quicker than anybody. I mean, I think he was like one over after a full day at the players or something. His odds got absolutely crazy, and he still ends up winning the tournament. I think he went into Sunday like minus one to win the whole thing or something. But, yeah, I, I like JT this weekend as well. Those are like the three at the top of the board that I'm like kind of fans of that I think can do some damage this weekend. I'm kind of like looking at cross-offs. I don't think Bryson DeChambeau wins this tournament. Uh, I think Tony Finau has been really, really bad. You know, I know Tony Finau never wins, but he's always a popular pick because you always see him at the top there. Is there anybody else that's like near the top that you're like, I'm crossing that guy off. I want no part of him in match play to win the tournament, anything at all? The no, You said it, Bryson DeChambeau. I think uh, his style works on about 95% of courses, but this uh, this is not one of them. You got to – you gotta. It's, it's, it's a second-shot golf course for sure, so – those long drives don't mean as much here. Yeah, I, I don't think Bryson has much of a chance this weekend. This, uh, those daddy hacks he was taking with VJ Singh, kind of watching him like a scared father next to him. I, I don't, I don't know who that's for. Like, I feel like if I go to the, like, I'm going on a golf trip this weekend. I'm going to go to the driving range tomorrow, and I'm probably going to try to hit 500 balls to like make up for the last three months that I didn't play golf. And in that process, I'm going to destroy my hands. My hands are going to be bleeding and I'm going to have a terrible weekend. And I don't know why I'm going to do that to myself, but it's better to me somehow than like not being able to strike the ball at all before I go on this trip and possibly am counted on to hit a couple good shots and scramble format. But that's like what I get like Bryson vibes. Like he's just trying to take cuts and it's, it's so interesting. He's, he's a weird guy. Yeah. He's definitely probably the most fascinating player on tour right now. He brings the ratings and stuff though. So he does. And he's getting a little more fun. He was, he did the Jimmy Fallon thing where like you, you say whatever he wants you to say in the interview, uh, like throwing it in there and he has yeah. been commercials. So I think he's coming around, but he, he is very hated as well as his boy, Patrick Reed. They're like the two most hated golfers on tour. I'm an every weekend golf viewer now. I still learn more and more each day. I did not know that the winner of this event gets to like pick the dinner menu. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the uh, what DJ picked as his dinner? The pigs in a blanket as the app. Fire. 
nothing like pigs in a blanket and filet mignon. Yeah, that that lineup looked like something that I would personally really, really enjoy. So yeah. great job by Dustin Johnson there. Uh, let's get to the match play picks. So I'll, I'll get us started. I wouldn't be me if I didn't give out Sergio here. His match play ace, I believe they're calling it the kill shot has my Sergio fandom at an all-time high, as high as it's ever been. Not that it could ever go away. I like him at plus 105 to beat Jason Day and minus 110 to beat Adam Scott. I know Adam Scott does damage at this event sometimes, but I just love Sergio Garcia. He's getting better with age, like a fine wine, and he's a Real Madrid fan. Real Madrid gets a big Champions League victory yesterday. I, I just I, I love what's going on with Sergio's mind. His vibes are through the roof. Yeah, I don't hate it. My first one, I'll go with Abraham Answer at minus 125 over Bubba. Uh, this is more just a fade on Bubba. Um, he's been – his recent form, I know he's – Played well at the Masters, obviously, with two wins and everything. But his recent form has been atrocious. Two out of three missed cuts. Um, his stats are all horrible. If you, I think if he, you put a blind, like blind resume like to do for the NCAA tournament, if you just took his name off there, this line would be closer to 160, 170 against answers. Just pretty consistent. So I think we're just getting a, a good number here just based on his name. I think answer last weekend was one of the most popular picks to win that Valero Texas Open. I don't think anybody thought that Jordan would actually win this event, like maybe top 10, top five. But I know a lot of fans I saw in golf writers actually didn't want Jordan to win because they felt like it gave him less of a chance to come back and win this weekend if he actually won this one. But answer's been pretty damn good. I mean, he was he was top five on odds going into this past tournament. And yeah, Bubba Watson, I mean, you come on this podcast every single year and talk about this event, pick, pick him to win. And he he usually does it, but I always get what you're saying with the left-handed stuff and and all that. But okay, it's good to see that you're kind of moving to the other side of it. That's what happens. You bet on people, they make you mad, and you take the other side. Uh, my next one is going to be Jordan Spieth minus 105 over Rory. Uh, I can't believe Rory's favorite over him here. I, I think if you would have told us two months ago that Jordan Spieth was going to be the one with this crazy resurgence and it wasn't Rory McIlroy, everybody would have been really surprised. It looked like Rory was really finding himself, getting back in the groove. He would have three solid days per tournament. And then one day where he just would kind of take himself out of contention but still be near the top, his form hasn't been great lately. So I, I'm on Jordan Spieth here. I, I wanted to take Jordan Spieth a couple times. I can't take him at nine and a half to one to win the whole thing. But, I mean, it, it, when you look at who he's matched up against, you're looking at Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, and Rory. And I think Rory is the one I feel like he's most likely to beat. Yeah, I love that pick. My next one, I'll go with Webb Simpson at minus 105 over Daniel Berger. Uh, getting a pretty low number on a very good player. Uh, Webb's only getting better. He's got three straight top 20s here. Um, 2019, he came in top 10. Last year, top five. It's just like he's trending in the right direction. He's always going to hit it well, drives it well, putts, does everything really solid. So uh, I'll take my chances here against Daniel Berger. Yeah, Berger won, what was that, Pebble Beach not too long ago? Yeah, yeah. he's played really well too, yeah. Yeah, he's solid, but that that was a depleted field, significantly worse than the Valero Texas Open. I think Berger was actually, he actually had the second best odds to win that entire tournament, which you'd be hard-pressed to find another tournament like that. But yeah, two good players. I like it, though. It always seems like Webb Simpson's lurking. Uh, My last match play pick, I'm going to go with Gary Woodland, minus 145 over Cameron Champ. Uh, Top for six this past weekend. He's in form. He looks good. I, I think Gary Woodland, like he his like 
visual vibes out there just look great to me. You know, he's a strong dude. He's usually a guy that I've faded throughout my golf betting career. But Cameron Champ is like the definition of inconsistent to me. I, I know he's a true bomber, but he's as inconsistent as it gets. I like Gary Woodland here. Uh, my co-host I do the Starting 502 UofL podcast with Presley Meyer. He said that he kind of liked Woodland 125, the one to win it all. That makes me feel like I can take him in one match play bet. Not to win the whole thing, but I will take Woodland there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, that's I don't have any more match play. I would uh, consider Bubba at plus 200 to miss the cut. Seems like a very generous number there. Just a side note, exotic bet there. Yeah, two out of three. No, I, I, I like it. That's what the listeners are here for. All right, let's get to our winners. I want one long shot and one more reasonable. I'll get us started. Um, I texted you my pick a week ago. I don't even think you responded. We have Victor Perez. <laughs> Victor Perez, the rookie from France, who I got at 225 to 1. He's down to 75 to 1. There are people out there that believe, just like myself. Final four in the match play tourney a few weeks ago. He's ranked 53rd on tour. There's just something about this guy, man. Something about it. I was looking at the board and his name just stuck out to me like I was that so raven on the show and my eyes zoomed in. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking. I, mean, I got 225 to one. So I, if he wins, I'm ready to party for at least two months. But 75 to one, I think it's solid. He, he's pretty damn good. I like Victor Perez a lot. I think that you will see him as a part of the European Ryder Cup team because of how good he was in match play. I think he's only going to move up the world rankings. That is my long shot pick. I like it. Uh, I'll go a little less of a long shot. I'll go Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, he's been playing actually decent except for the one players uh, where he missed the cut. I think we kind of get a discount here based on his last tournament. He was bad. Uh, so we're getting him at 66 to one. He's actually been in contention in the masters the last three years and all three years he shot 74 on Sunday, all three years. So, and he's got, I think he went 19 T 19 T 22 and T 36 with those three seventy fours. So it just seems like he's always in contention. And then that the weekend, gets him but maybe uh maybe he can pull together on the weekend to stay in contention and maybe cash a 66 to 1 ticket here yeah and that's uh that's a guy like you said he's been very very good recently i'm pretty sure he was solid in match play as well and yeah i mean if if you go into a tournament thing and i blow it on sunday every single time like that's gotta enhance your focus going into the last day so i I don't hate that one at all my my lower odds pick is going to be uh Colin Morikawa at 26 to 1. I think he's the best iron player on tour right now. Uh, Cal Golden Bear. Nothing seems to phase this guy. And in a field where I feel like I'm looking at the top and everyone seems vulnerable, I feel like there's a reason of why you wouldn't pick everybody at the top. Justin Thomas, I understand why people would take him with how good he looked at the players. But, you know, match play, what is he, 0-3 the past weekend? Loses that day one to Matt Kuchar, gets absolutely blown out. Like, you could argue he's vulnerable too. I just think Morikawa is so, so solid. And I like the odds I'm getting here at 26 to 1 for him to win. I feel like it should be closer to like 16. Yeah, I like that. Uh, he's one of the better iron players on tour. I'm going to go ahead and stick with the same narrative and take the best iron player on tour. I'm going to go Justin Thomas here. Uh, just when he's clicking, I think he's on more than anyone. And uh, it's not a great number here at 12 to 1 for sure. But uh, I'm going to take a chance here on JT because even it feels like JT, even if he shoots, makes the cut and he's seven or eight back, it seems like he's still the top 10 choice every single when you're looking at live odds. So I feel like he's always in contention. He can always shoot something low here. 
Um, so I'll take him and hope I can cash a 12 to one. Yeah, no, I, I don't hate it. Uh, Presley Meyer, the dude I do the podcast with, he wrote this long piece for State of Louisville today about how it's Justin Thomas's time to shine. And of everybody at the top, I think that he's the toughest to make a case against for this tournament outside of, you know, Jordan Spieth, if you're being logical, the guy's on fire. But it's you, I don't see a lot of people win back-to-back tournaments on this tour. Uh, last thing, have you watched this HBO Tiger Woods documentary yet? I have not. I have not. I just got HBO recently, so I'm going to have to tune in. Uh, you got to watch it. Uh, I heard that it had mixed reviews from a lot of my other golf friends. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, 75% of it is about how he's awesome at golf, and the other 25% of it are stories that you know about his life, but just when they tell them to you all at once, your jaw is dropped the entire time. It It's such a bummer he's not going to be here this weekend it's that 2019 masters win that's like as fun as golf has been for us in the last six or seven years so it uh it it sucks without tiger but i would encourage everyone to go watch that hbo max uh tiger woods documentary two parts an hour and a half each you will not want to stop it is some crazy crazy stuff what a life that man has lived yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. Is it like uh, – does it show like videos back in the day or are we just oh, yeah. talking everything? Not- oh, yeah, yeah. Videos that I'm not sure people have seen before. If they haven't, yeah. you know, they start with him as a child, him and his dad, and they kind of explain to you how he ended up being like he was. And, I mean, episode one ends with the girl that he had the main affair with and they show like 12 more of them and it's just absur- absurd. They show the, the DUI video, which – I thought was I mean, I've seen that video before, but I didn't realize that the the police officer said, say the ABCs for me real slow without singing. And then the police officer said, please repeat, repeat that question back to me. And Tiger Woods said, you want me to sing the national anthem? (laughs) <laughs> I, I was like, there's no way that's I've a real, heard that. yeah. Oh, it's, wow. it, it is absurd. You can tell like this man can like barely stand up here. So, I mean, it's a true, like story of like a, a crazy stock in the stock market, you know, like skyrocketing up, plummeting down and then going up and down and up and down. But regardless, it, it's so interesting to see how the public perceived him because I felt like when he was down, everybody was making fun of him. But then when he won the masters, it was like a win for America, you know, out of nowhere. So it's, uh, it, it's cool to see. It's definitely worth the watch. I would encourage everybody to uh, take a couple nights and watch that documentary. Dustin, I appreciate you coming on. Let's, uh, let's cash some tickets this weekend. I feel pretty good about it. Yep. Thanks for having me. As always, enjoyed it. TTYL.